Welcome to the York County Economic Alliance podcast series produced by Bold Creative Media. As York County's official Chamber of Commerce and Economic Development Organization, we're here as a resource center to connect you to specialized funding, business services, advocacy programs, and events to help you and your business thrive. Hello, everyone. This is Kevin Schreiber with the York County Economic Alliance in our podcast series. And today, joining me is Miss D. Yingst. And D, you are a human resources consultant for Pennsylvania Chamber Insurance. I am indeed. Thanks so much for being here with us today. So tell us a little bit about yourself um, and, and what PA uh, Pennsylvania Chamber Insurance is. Well, as far as my background goes, I like to say I took the long way into human (laughs) resources. Um, Started out working for a very large, very blue insurance carrier for more years than I'm planning to admit. Um, And then on to a very large international insurance broker. And from there, one of my clients hired me to be their human resources director. And in that role, I was actually the human resources director, the benefits manager, the safety manager, the risk manager. The IT director. A one-woman shop. Exactly. And I ran the office dishwasher every now and then. And IT director, too. Absolutely. Oh, God bless you. Um, In between all of that adventure, I managed to squeeze in a bachelor's in organizational behavior. Nice. Where from? Uh, That is from Duquesne. Oh, very cool. Awesome. And I have a master's in human resources and some certifications, lots of alphabet soup after my name as well. Right, right. Where are you from originally, Dee? Uh, from Harrisburg. Okay, from Harrisburg. awesome. And is that, do you still live in the Harrisburg area? I do indeed. Awesome. I do Excellent. indeed. And thanks so much for coming down to York today. Well, thank you very much for the invitation. <laughs> so what's the Pennsylvania Chamber Insurance Program? What, what do you guys do as an organization? Uh, Pennsylvania Chamber Insurance is at its heart and soul an insurance broker. Mm-hmm. Uh, part of what we do is we support the mission of the Pennsylvania Chamber of Business and Industry. And we do that by providing insurance and employee benefit solutions to employers of all sizes, very small employers to larger employers. And where I fit into that mix is I offer human resources services to those customers. We've found that some of our um, customers either don't have a strict human resources person or that person is wearing 10 or 12 or 14 different hats, much like what I did. Uh, And sometimes they have a human resources person, but you don't always have the time to get down into kind of the weeds of things. Mm -hmm. So instead of spending that time researching things, they can just pick up the phone and call me. It really is a great service um, that, that that you guys offer, and it seems like you are perfectly suited for it, having oh, the background you. <clears throat> that you have been the one-woman shop. And <laughs> So how long have you been working with Pennsylvania Chamber Insurance now? I'm just about at two years now. Oh, excellent. So do you spend much of your time crossing the state, or is it really much of it you can do by phone? Because obviously the Pennsylvania Chamber serves businesses and organizations across our Commonwealth. Um, Exactly. We are east, west, north, south. Um, I'm probably about half and half um, on the road and also um, over the phone and email. Um, I like to pride myself on giving that personal service. I'm not (laughs) 1-800-OMG. If you need help, I'm in the car and I'm in your office and I'm helping you. And it's so great that that phone number is OMG and not WTF. So you, <laughs> exactly. Right. That's that's the be, that's the direct line. Right. right. To we, you, we we try to keep you phone. out of WTF. Right. 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 <laughs> um, but it really and uh, you know speaking from York County, obviously we have a thousand and eighty members uh, mm-hmm. that invest in us on an annual basis. 
many nonprofits, but certainly you know the vast majority are businesses. And as you mentioned, a lot of those small businesses <clears throat> are one or two person shops. Sometimes they may have you know a handful of employees. And in many cases, you know, the the, the entrepreneur, the proprietor mm-hmm. is is the one person shop, and they're doing a lot of it all day sure. long and at home. So, it's it really is a remarkable service that you guys provide. So, Thank you. so the vast array of the menu of options for an HR professional, which I'm sure you can attest, is mm-hmm. has a broad breadth and depth when you're dealing with people. Mm -hmm. So what are some of those more important uh, aspects that you guys really provide to our business community throughout Pennsylvania? Probably the two that stick out in my mind is we do just a lot of questions, Mm -hmm. question answer things. Um, Simple things, you know, how do I know if I have the right poster hanging on my wall? Which I hope you have a poster hanging on the wall. We do have a poster hanging on the wall. It's a full body (laughs) shot of Steve Perry from Journey. (laughs) It was their album cover. No, we don't have. We have other posters too. Yes, of course. They're next to Steve. Yes, right. That's next, okay. Yes, right. Um, the other thing that I do a lot of that I think is very critical is taking an employer's culture, their rules, their their benefits, and synthesizing all of that and creating an employee handbook. Hmm. That's a very important piece of what every company should have. So I know as you talk about employee handbooks, I have to think, I'm sure there are many out there that just cringe and think, oh, it's all the obligatory, you know, verbose legalese, the jargon that has to go in there. And and it's probably a daunting task. I, 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 I equate it you know, as I talk to entrepreneurs thinking of opening a business, you know, you have to say, do you have a business plan? And most of them are like, oh, no, I just don't want to take the time to sit down and write it. So how do you how do you get around that? And, and realizing, like you said, it really is so important to any organization, whether you're one, two or mm-hmm. 200. Well, if what you're asking me is how do you justify to someone why they should have one? Mm-hmm. Um, some of it is your employees need to know what is expected of them. And you can't really um, listen to a rule if it's not written down. Mm -hmm. And you also need to have something that memorializes what your company, what what they do, why the employees matter, where employees can find answers when they're looking for, for things, even just really simple things. You know, who do I talk to about this? those types of things. It's so important to have that document, not just from a regulatory standpoint. Mm -hmm. Um, That's absolutely important. Um, For instance, there are certain policies you need to have in there from a regulatory standpoint. But you also need to give an employee an idea of, here's who we are. Mm -hmm. You know, whatever your company is, here's XYZ company. Here's how you fit into our company. And here's why we're glad you're here. Is the single most important thing to remember is the most expensive employee you have is the one you have to keep replacing. Right. So if you've got a really great employee, you want them to know why it matters if they come to work. I think that's an interesting aspect that most, uh, and again, forgive me on my ignorance, I, I would scarcely think many think of an employee handbook, a personnel handbook, as as that cultural piece. And that's where mm-hmm. I think it's really fascinating, the, the lens by which you view this, which is if our, you know, if our, our talented personnel are the most mm-hmm. important asset to a business, which I think by and large most would agree they mm-hmm. are, um, then really this is not just, uh, you know, putting uh, regulatory, you know, aspects on mm-hmm. a piece of paper as a perfunctory motion, but this is really talking <clears throat> about who they are and how they fit into the organization and the culture. So how how do you then, D, you know, get in into an organization and help them 
translate that culture, which is sometimes a very ambiguous thing. Well, one of the things I like to do, and I tell folks, if I'm going to write your handbook, I need to come in and talk to you. I need to just ask some questions about when an employee asks you this, how do you answer that question? Tell me about your organization. Where's, where does it begin? What's its origin story? Uh, for instance, I had a, a customer that was third generation family business, and there's a story there somewhere, and mm -hmm. you want to tell their story. For them, their story was the original founder went off to war, and his wife ran the business. Now, they're in auto parts and paint. Mm -hmm. So she's a female during World War II who is now a businesswoman when people would never put those two words together. That's amazing. And that's the stories you want to tell. You want to say, did you know that the company you're working for, here's why, here's where they've been. And we found great quotes from the original owner and great photos, and we're able to tell that story and to tell their employees, here's the type of organization that you have joined. That's that's incredibly exciting. Like, I, I really, I, I, I kind of want to give you our employee handbook and, <laughs> and take a look at it, because you're right. And, mm -hmm. and we really do have a fascinating story. And I know sometimes organizations just get into the throes of getting the mm -hmm. job done, and mm -hmm. they're so focused on the next quarter, the next <clears throat> week, or putting out yesterday's fire that, you know, it's hard to, to pull someone aside and say, no, nah, we really need to, to find the time to do this and to do it well. Um, but you're mm -hmm. right, that, that employee handbook is is typically, that's kind of the first thing that, that a new employee comes into contact with after mm -hmm. they've made that hire. They come in, they sit down, fill out all their paperwork. You know, we've just had a couple new employees start here at the Alliance. Mm -hmm. Their first day is all the HR paperwork, which that mm -hmm. handbook is in there. You're yep. sort of lumped in there. Yep. But I think it is, it's an opportune opportunity to have mm -hmm. that captive audience and to sell that story and, and equip, equip sure. the employee with that story too. So how do you, how do you measure, you know, taking any type of company and, and the work that you do to help, you know, develop that plan, that policy, that handbook, but then how do you keep it up to date? Because I have to imagine these things change, you know, as quick as the news sometimes. Um, there's a couple different ways you can you can look at that. The first thing you want to do is you want to not put such a level of detail in things that frequently change. For, for example, employee benefits. You want to discuss them. You know, yes, we have health insurance, but you don't want to get into, well, we have health insurance and it has this deductible. Because right. as soon as you do that, the book is outdated before the ink's dry. Right. So you want to, those kinds of things you want to kind of keep um, somewhat general. The other things, you make it as current as you can. <clears throat> and then part of what I do is as I start to see changes coming that would impact a handbook, I reach back out to clients and say, you know, I think we have a little change on your policy here. I'm going to send you an update. And I don't normally reprint handbooks if you have them in paper form until you've had probably two changes, mm -hmm. unless you've had a really, really big change. Then you want to reissue the book. But for the most part, it should always be a living document. Mm -hmm. It's not Encyclopedia Britannica, if anybody's <laughs> old enough to remember that. I do remember them. Uh, that's not what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be a living document. Hmm. How much input do you allow, would you allow it, your, your staff to have on that? Do you really think that this is a document that's developed between an HR person and the executive you know, leadership or a board? 
or do you allow you know staff to have input at all? And again, recognizing some of it is regulatory in nature, so it has to be in there. But mm-hmm. you know, do you ever take? Do you think an organization is benefited by taking feedback on it? Or I think so. I think so. Um, I've worked with a couple companies that have called me and said, you know, I asked a couple of our employees. Um, what they think about this or what they think about that. And we've incorporated that because the other part of the process is not just dropping all those policies in, but you have to look at policy versus practice. Mm-hmm. And that's where that employee feedback is particularly helpful because you can have a policy and it's beautiful and it's wonderful and it's <laughs> articulate, but if you're not really doing it that way, right. then it's pointless. Right. So you have to make sure that your policy and your practice are the same thing. So when I talk to somebody, I'll say, okay, I work for you and I just had this question. Where do I get the answer? Or if I have a problem, who do I talk to? Well, what happens if that person can't help me? Now who do I talk to? Mm -hmm. And that's kind of how I do the questions. I don't go out with my little checklist and say, okay, tell me this, tell me this, tell me this. I just kind of keep talking to them. What happens here? What happens there? Have you ever had this problem? What would you do about it? And we weave all of that into the handbook. So really, and and I think, you know, you're, you're helping to disarm the individual in the organization and really showing that it's not a daunting process. It's the old adage of eating an elephant and can take it one bite. And it sounds like you really do try your best to get in there and, and let mm-hmm. that 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 document really reflect the, the organization's culture and, and some of the things that they mm-hmm. believe in. A- absolutely. And part of the reason I try to have a lot of conversations is because I want to hear how the employer sounds. Mm-hmm. For instance, what do you call your employees? Are they employees? Are they associates? Are they team members? Um, I want to be able to hear and get a feel Mm -hmm. for how the the culture of the company feels because the handbook needs to sound like the employer, not me. Right. And things like what colors do you typically see? So I make sure there's colors there. Um, I have one employer that has a quote that they just love. Mm -hmm. So we made sure that quote made it into the handbook. Um, For the folks that do the auto body paint, I got pictures of vehicles, they also do airplanes, pictures of airplanes and cars that their paints on. And those pictures are throughout the handbook so that an employee can actually feel a tangible result of what they do every day. It really is a moment of pride. It's kind of mm-hmm. exciting. It is a good opportunity to, to, to celebrate the success of the company. Absolutely. So speaking of policy versus practice, <laughs> so you've I, I have to imagine in your uh, career, you've seen some horror stories. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, you're an HR professional, so everything's confidential, mm-hmm. including this conversation, short of all of those listeners that we'll make this public to. Um, but uh, obviously without naming names, but it's pro- like what are some of those horror stories that you've seen that really could help any of the listeners out there just say, huh, you know, maybe that is me or maybe I should do something or, you know, or maybe I should uh, intervene before, um, before it proves problematic to the company? Well – as far as what I've seen, there's been several handbooks I've looked at that contradict themselves within pages mm-hmm. of each other. Um, and obviously that's a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are the kinds of things I typically see. Um, a better example of a true horror story is um, one that is not a handbook that I did. One of the things that I do, let, let me back up a minute and ex- sure. kind of explain my comment here. And now I'm intrigued. Um, <laughs> one of the things that I do that I think is so important and why you shouldn't use um, a template that you found on Google, mm-hmm. you know, www.omg, yeah. and you look for a handbook. 
um, is there are certain pieces of guidance. Folks like the National Labor Relations Board, mm -hmm. they impact employee policies all the time. And it doesn't matter whether you have a union or not. They impact your handbook. And if you're not paying attention, they might say something that you'll miss. Hmm. For instance, they have a lot to say about work rules, mm -hmm. how broad they are, how tight they are, those kinds of things. Um, they're very, um, their mission is to protect an employee's Section 7 rights, which mm -hmm. means the right to protected concerted activity, to complain about work conditions, to voice their opinions, to organize those kinds of things. And there are certain work rules that they believe are too restrictive and that they will chill, they call it chilling someone's rights. Hmm. And there's a very large fast food restaurant chain in the last couple of years that was uh, was cited several times by the National Labor Relations Board. And the board is actually pretty good about releasing guidance to say, here's what just happened, here's the rules we objected okay. to, and here's what you should have said. And my, my favorite example is you really can't have a rule that says you have to treat your coworkers and your supervisor with respect at all times. And most people think, what? Right, right. <laughs> but it's huh. all in how you word it. Mm -hmm. So it's not so much that they, they are encouraging anyone to be disrespectful, but the problem with that rule is when you're getting into a conversation about working conditions or you're an employer who is uh, maybe being organized, maybe a union's come in and talk to your folks and people are trying to decide if they're going to organize. Those conversations are very impassioned mm -hmm. right. and they tend to get very lively. Right. And sometimes they will get a, a little overheated. And there have been employers who have, if you want to put it this way, hidden behind that rule and said, mm. well, you're being disrespectful. Well, no, actually what they're doing is exercising their rights. Mm. Interesting. So the, the NLRB came back and said, you know, you can't have that rule. Mm. What you can do is say you must work in cooperation with one another. So they're actually very good about telling you what they'd rather have you say. Hmm. But there's a lot of those kinds of things. And the document is just enormous that was released right. that had a lot of different pieces in it of what you need to say instead. So it has, I mean, I have to think the benefit to having a D out there is that you're keeping tabs on mm -hmm. all of these changes so that any employer doesn't, especially a smaller shop, mm -hmm. doesn't really have to. I mean, no, they could, you know, probably, uh, they just don't have the time. And, and Exactly. So how often would you, would you advise a, a small company that may not have, a, you know, a full-time HR person? Either they're working with you in Pennsylvania mm -hmm. Chamber or they're working with an HR consultant locally. How often would you advise them just to, you know, do a pass through their, their employee uh, handbook and measure it against any changes in the environment? At least annually. Okay. Um, particularly when you have any sort of change in, at the governmental level. Mm -hmm. um, and we've certainly had a lot of those shifts right now. So you want to make sure you're keeping up with what some of the laws are going to be. I mean, there were a lot of folks ready for the new wage and hour stuff. And at the last minute, it got pulled. Yeah, right. So you have to kind of stay on top of that stuff because you don't want something in there that no longer applies. And then I have to imagine kind of getting back to almost a horror story scenario that if I have to imagine you've seen it where a company doesn't have a handbook mm -hmm. or it's vastly out of date where it's proven problematic mm -hmm. and is problematic typically translate to court? Does it translate to lawsuit? You it know, can. What, what <clears throat> should, 
concern any of our listeners out there as to, you know, why they should really, you know, call someone like yourself or call, you know, an HR professional to help them out on this if they don't have one right now? Um, Where it tends to be problematic and what, if I can call it a common thing Mm -hmm. that I tend to see, is folks like the EEOC, they're Mm -hmm. they're kind of the people in the PHRC for Pennsylvania that oversee things like discrimination and Mm -hmm. harassment and those kinds of things. One of the things they look for when someone comes to them and says, well, I've been discriminated against, Mm -hmm. and here's what happened. They want to see the handbook, and they want to know, has the employer, first of all, ever defined for an employee what behavior rises to the level of unlawful? whether it's harassment, discrimination. They also want to know, have you ever told your employees what to do if they feel like they've been discriminated against? Do they have more than one avenue? Because they're going to ask that employee or former employee is typically the way it goes and say, you know, did you do anything about it? Did you tell your employer you were being harassed? And if they say, well, I didn't know who to talk to and I didn't know how to report this and I didn't know what I was supposed to do, and then they get the employee, employer's handbook, or they don't get one at all, and they find out that as an employee, they'd have no idea what to do. Mm-hmm. So it's important that your employees know what to do. They know what kind of behavior is not supposed to be in the workplace. And there are people that will say to me, well, people know. Right. Really? Do they really know? No, they really don't. And you, as the employer, have to say something. Mm-hmm. And you need to say it before the behavior happens. Employees need to know what's expected of them. You know, when you terminate someone, did that employee know that what they did would rise to the level of termination? I can't tell you the number of phone calls I've gotten that said, oh, I had an unemployment compensation hearing and I lost. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, tell me what happened. Well, as it turns out, the employee went there and said, well, I had no idea I was going to lose my job. I thought maybe, you know, I'd get suspended or I'd get written up, but I had no idea. And when you look at the handbook, they had no idea they'd lose their job. Hmm. Well, that's a slam dunk down at the Unemployment Bureau. Right. I've seen it as common practice that a lot of employers that do have a handbook, Mm -hmm. you know, particularly on that orientation day with a new employee, they go through all the paperwork, they fill everything out, and then the employee's asked to sign off on that handbook. Mm -hmm. Is that something I, you know, and this is kind of a rhetorical question, I suppose, but is that something where... If that employee's been there for 10 years, that signature still sort of holds up or, or again, kind of getting back to your version, you're describing this as a living document. Mm-hmm. If there are updates and amendments to the, the handbook as new regulations come out, is mm-hmm. that something that really should be redressed, you know, on an annual basis, even in like a review setting or something like that? Anytime that handbook changes, uh, it should be communicated to employees and you should get another sign off. Gotcha. Okay. That's good advice. Very good advice, I think. Um, what is there a common thread as you get out there and you know you meet with a lot of companies that might have maybe Googled it and you know they <laughs> they print it out and update it to them to their own uh, uh, company's likings. But are there aspects of a handbook that are generally missing that you you know <clears throat> almost a red flag? You can flip through it and you can make a prediction, you know, that it's missing you know such and such components. There's kind of two prongs that I tend to find are missing. There, there's the policy piece of it, and then there's the employee relations mm-hmm. stuff, the stuff that we talked about, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> kind of communicating to your employees about your company. On the policy side of it, um, oftentimes I will find that some of those work rules that we talked about, some of those are in there. Um, there's, oftentimes there's not an internet 
policy. There's not a social media policy. Um, sometimes there's not a really well fleshed out discrimination and harassment or sexual harassment. Uh, I don't see a lot of workplace violence policies mm. when they're downloaded. Uh, or you'll see a harassment policy and it'll basically have one paragraph that says, don't do that. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, and, and you see a lot of, there's a lot of exclamation points mm -hmm. and the employee shall and the employee shall not. Right. And it's just not a real friendly document. It's not easy to read. And if it's not easy to read and it's not interesting to read, whether you have the policy there or not, they're not going to read it. Right. The point is you want them to read it. Right, right. You know, and if you've got these policies missing here, again, an employee doesn't know what's expected of them. It really is a guiding document, a North Star kind of. And, and exactly. since, <laughs> since you mentioned it, we've got to segue a little bit into social media, <laughs> which I know is a constantly evolving, you know, platform mm -hmm. of communication, certainly. And, and, and the lines are very well blurred between uh, employer, you know, between your, your work life and your home life mm -hmm. and how you're communicating. So... I know a lot of companies that are trying to adapt a, a policy. Some may not have them mm -hmm. at all. So just categorically, and I know it's tough to paint a broad brush, but I mean, is it important for all any employer to have a social media policy if they have employees? And, you know, what are some of those aspects that you really <coughs> think should be in there? And and I guess in one kind of follow-up question, I know I'm lumping a couple questions in, but um, as you had mentioned uh, that there are, you know, rules by which a, a, an individual can talk about the workplace. Mm -hmm. So if an employee just goes onto Facebook and blasts their employer, you know, is that is that type of behavior covered in a, in a social media policy? It depends on what they say. Mm -hmm. You certainly do cover it in the policy. Um, they All employees are permitted by law to criticize the working conditions that they have. So if you have an employee that goes out to Facebook and says, man, my supervisor's just a jerk, mm -hmm. you know, she's mean and she's, that's protected activity. Hmm. What you can't do is go out and disparage your employer and say things like, well, my, my employer cheats people or, you know, my employer has unsavory business practices. Right. Those are not the terms and conditions of your employment. But in, employees are permitted to go out and, let's say, go out to Facebook and say, oh, I hate long meetings. Why do we have to have long meetings? You know, she talks on and on and on. and on. They're allowed to do that, and you cannot discipline them. Hmm. What I usually tell employers, if they start telling me, well, you know, I saw, you know, Judy in accounting's post or something like that. As her supervisor, you shouldn't be on her Facebook page. Right, right. Absolutely not. Uh, but as far as the policy goes, you want to make sure you say that, and you want to make sure you say, you know, your comments are your own, mm -hmm. and you need to understand that you are not representing the company. You have to make sure that you tell people you're not representing the company. <clears throat> and it has to be very clear on that point. And your policy also needs to say that it is not in any way conflicting with someone's rights mm -hmm. under the National Labor Relations Act. So it probably begs the question for Judy in accounting as to why she dislikes her employment or, or whatever mm -hmm. conditions. And maybe it just gets back to the underlying premise of good human resources, which is mm -hmm. trying to understand the employee and what motivates them. And if there are challenges out there, trying to mitigate those as best as one can. Exactly. Um, so does this follow 
true for Twitter, for Facebook, for mm -hmm. Instagram, and and does that all important kind of disclaimer in a Twitter profile that says retweets are my own or this does not reflect <laughs> an endorsement? Does that does that qualify and cover? Um, as long as you're not really identifying that you're speaking for your company, mm -hmm. then you're okay. And the way I do the policies is I always say is you know, there's always new technology. Mm -hmm. You know, who knows right. tomorrow there may be a rival to Twitter. Right. So you want to make sure it says, you know, wiki posts, blogs, whatever pages it is that, you know, social media sites. You want to make sure and, it, and make sure it says those that are articulated here and any that may come. Mm -hmm. um, people have their opinions and they're, all, they're perfectly allowed to have their opinions. You just want to make sure you're telling everybody, look, you don't speak for the company unless you are the actual official spokesperson. Right. How have you seen handbooks evolve over the last 10 years, particularly with new technology and married with, you know, we have two ends of the spectrum here where we have a, a population of baby boomers that are retiring mm -hmm. and leaving the workforce. And then we have a population of millennials coming on board, mm -hmm. and, which, you know, those two, um, you know, both have their challenges and opportunities mm -hmm. and, and both are vastly different in many ways, those population segments. And obviously the millennials are coming on with, you know, far more dependency, if you will, on, on technology mm -hmm. and, and or even just a, a recognition that technology is interwoven into everything that they do. So how do you see employers adapting the, the handbook, the policies within the handbook to adapt to a new, you know, population segment of employees? A lot of what I see handbooks changing, believe it or not, is not on the technology side in the policies. It's more on things like leave policies huh. that 20 years ago, I would never get a request for a parental leave policy, huh. a paid parental leave policy. Um, even things that you don't really think about, bereavement leave. Mm -hmm. you know, a pretty typical bereavement leave, oh, you get three days if it's a close relative, right. you get two if it's... There are actually policies now that don't even get into all of that. They just say you get three days. Mm -hmm. um, because the new thinking is with the new structures of families, families are very different now right. than they were 40 or 50 years ago or, or further back. So who am I to say who's close to you, mm -hmm. who your family is? Maybe your family is that neighbor that you grew up with for the last 25 years. You know, maybe it's the great aunt that raised you. So that's by this, the old definition, that's not really a close family member. Hmm. But for you, it is. Right. Uh, so I see a lot of that stuff changing. There's a lot more emphasis on policies that balance work and life a little bit better. Mm -hmm. That's that's actually fascinating because, honest to God, if uh, I think I'd need bereavement leave for a pet. So um, I've seen policies with, that include pets. I mean, when it's your kid, it's your baby, um, mm -hmm. and I can appreciate that. Um, but that that really is interesting. And you struck on something. If I could ask on the work life balance, and I know that's uh, very. I think, at least from what I've read and what I have gathered, this millennial population coming onto the workforce now really does look for that work life balance where mm -hmm. the employer encourages com community involvement and engagement in, in that civic society mm -hmm. and understands that the employees are going to want to be active and want to do more than just come in, punch a clock and get out. Is that something, is that true? You know, is, is that a, a, a good uh, reflection on, on a stereotype of the millennials or are you seeing it all over the map and it's just vastly different? 
Um, I think that's that's actually pretty typical. You see a lot of um, I see a lot more volunteer mm-hmm. policies. Um, people that have not only you know PTO but they have VTO, so now they have volunteer time off. Hmm. Um, so I see a lot of those kinds of things. Uh, for some employers, the way they have accommodated the newest generation and going back to technology and how technology has made us very, very mobile. Mm-hmm. So they have relaxed the you have to come in at 8 and you have to go home at 4.30. If you want to work from home, awesome. Right. Just let us know where you're at. Right. So I see a lot of those kinds of things as well where everything's very, very fluid and they'll just name 9 to 3. Those are our core hours. Uh, I think everybody remembers nine to three from kindergarten. Yeah, right. right nine to three right. with a nap in the middle. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so they tell everybody, "Look, we've got these four or five hours that you need to be here, but other than that, come go whatever it is you I, need to do." I was wondering how smartphones are are changing workforce mm-hmm. policy because, again, you know, and I'm I'm even trying to be more cognizant of sending people emails at ten o'clock at night, and a you know. Why am I sending emails at 10 o'clock at night? I should say hi to my wife um, and pet my dog. But B, uh, not expecting a response either. And I think, you know, particularly mm-hmm. when it's from a supervisor to a subordinate, if you will, to use a parlance, but, you know, the, the subordinate feels compelled to respond. And, and is that mm-hmm. something that you've seen employers have to address? And, and Or is it, again, kind of back to the more, look, we pay for performance. You know, if you're doing mm-hmm. a good job and you're performing, you know, we're not going to we're not micromanaging. Um, it, it's kind of a blend. It really depends on the type of industry that I'm talking to. Okay. And the the mindset of the ownership of that industry. You know, some industries can't function if you're not there. They right, just can't. Right, right. Um, but some, maybe they're a marketing firm. And it doesn't really matter where you are. You know, maybe you're at home with your laptop and, and your phone. Um, so it really kind of depends. I'm not sure I have a real firm answer one way or the other on that. It's still kind of fluid and still kind of growing as this new generation comes into the workforce. And, you know, you read all about the millennials. And, and uh-huh. I don't like to label whole groups. Yeah. It? You know, no one person is the representative of an entire group. Well played from the HR professional, <laughs> I can tell. Is just probably chomping at the bit to tell me that. Um, no, but you're ab- you're absolutely right though too, and and I think it's just interesting. So it, a good message to to any listeners or any you know members throughout our uh, your county is that this is something that they really do need to focus on mm-hmm. if they don't have one, and and even if they do, it's something. It is a living document. It's mm-hmm. a breathing absolutely. document. It's something that you know they should be calling someone like yourself on an annual basis just to to update and check out. Sure. So, D, would you indulge me a lightning round if we, we oh hit my. you with? I know. I don't, I don't think we prepped you for these questions. So this is the fun lightning round. And in fairness, the HR person and me, we're doing this equally with every uh, uh, person that joins us on this podcast. So, okay. So um, no one individual will be spared. Um, <laughs> so, all right, you ready? This is fun. Um, if, so what, if, if participating in karaoke, what's your song choice of preference? Oh, no, I don't do karaoke. You don't do karaoke? No, no, no. Nobody wants to hear that. It's okay. I've only ever done it once. <laughs> so what's your go-to music in the car? If you're coming down, you know, you got 30 minutes in the car and you want to just check out and decompress, what are you flipping on? 
Well, my first love is blues, mm. but I have to admit on the way here, I was rocking some pretty serious 70s disco music. Oh, nice. A little Earth, Wind, and Fire. Earth, Wind, and oh, Fire. Was amazing. ABBA, Bee Gees. Mm, nice. Can't get into ABBA, but yeah, okay. the Bee Gees. All right. Not too shabby. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, are you a fan? Would you, uh, given the two menu options, would you pick meatloaf or pasta? Meatloaf. Ah, that's two mm-hmm. for meatloaf. Yes, and and that's a shout out to Kate Gaudette who said meatloaf. Who would take meatloaf? Oh. I know. Um, do you prefer, if you indulge, a beer or martini? Wow, probably a martini. But okay. You know, it depends on the beer. Okay. All right. So I'm a craft <laughs> beer person, so I'm kind of with you there. Um, let's see. If you knew then what you know now, what advice would you give to your 18-year-old self? Say no to the big, scary perms. <laughs> <laughs> that might be the best piece of advice spoken from someone who the humidity affects the hair. But uh, say no to the big, scary perms. So mm-hmm. I think we need to dig up a photo from, from oh, high no, school. Oh, no, you don't. No, oh, come on, Dave, no, please. no, no, no. And then what would be the one really heartwarming HR story that, you know, really kind of keeps you going? And and it was that moment where you said, this is why I do this and and just really made you happy. Well, I have a way of measuring my success in that can I make someone else successful? That's how I measure my own success. And I had a lady – that um, I, I went to one of the locations when I was an HR director. We had several different locations. And I made a practice of walking up to anyone I didn't recognize. Introduce myself, you know, hi, how are you? You know, is there anything mm-hmm. you need? You know, that sort of thing. And when I introduced myself, I didn't even get through my name. And she said, oh, I know who you are and I know what you come <laughs> here to do. Your reputation. Uh, well, yeah, it's an occupational hazard right. in, in, in human resources. You know, you walk in and people see the Grim Reaper. Yep. Um, so I, and I just kind of said, well, you know, that's not what I'm here to do, but okay. It's nice to meet you too. If you need anything, you let me know. Uh, several months later, I get a phone call and sure enough, this same young lady has had, well, let's just say a little behavior problem. Mm-hmm. Not, nothing terrible, but enough that will harm her future. Mm-hmm. So her manager brings her into the office and I'm of course sitting in the office and first thing she says, well, if you're just, if you're going to fire me, just do it. Colors running. I said, wait, 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 wait. I'm not here to take your job from you. I'm here to tell you how you can keep it. Hmm. So we had a very good conversation. We came up with a performance improvement plan for her, trying to get her kind of back on track. And we did a lot of follow-up over several months with her. Um, now, I don't want to talk, you know, say that it's all sunshine and rainbows, right, you right. know, but we had some bumps and, and we worked out some things and kind of got her where she needed to be. Uh, about a year after that, I got a call from that particular manager and said, I just want you to know I'm getting ready to promote her to the assistant director mm-hmm. of her department. Wow. Okay. Um, we worked with her a little bit more because, you know, management's kind of a daunting task if you've mm-hmm. never done it. Um, <clears throat> and we kind of gave her some coaching and, you know, and I kind of had some one-on-ones with her to help her kind of get through, you know, and she would call me and say, well, I'm not quite sure what I'm supposed to do here. And so it was a, it was a good conversation. And, you know, a couple of bumps, again, not sunshine and rainbows. A uh, year after that, she assumed the director of her department role. Wow. So we went from someone who was just really, her, her future was in question. Mm-hmm. 
and we managed to turn that around. And to me, that's a success story. And, and I remember that to say, you know, even when things aren't quite where I want them to be, I can make a difference to somebody. That's the uh, that's that's a great story. That's that that really is um, epitomizes the human resources profession. There is no lost mm-hmm. cause, and just takes a little course correction sometimes. So, thank you very much, Miss Dings, Human Resources Consultant with the Pennsylvania Chamber Insurance. Thank you for all that you're doing throughout the Commonwealth and helping uh, all of our businesses and individuals reach their full potential. But thanks for coming down and spending some time with us today in York. Well, thank you very much for having me. Thank you. Take care. Thanks all. Thank you for listening to this edition of the YCEA podcast series produced by Bold Creative Media. For more information, visit us on our website at www.ycea-pa.org or call us anytime and talk to one of our experienced staff members at 717-848-4000. And always remember to start here.